0: So now tune into Black Cyber, the number one one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African-Americans' career in a cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place
1: in the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Black Cyber Podcast. I'm your host, George McPherson. My guest today is Tia Hopkins, better known as Tia Hopkins. Tia Hopkins is the VP of Global Solutions Engineering at Ecentire. She holds two master's degrees and several industry certifications, such as the CISSP. She has been recognized as one of the top women leaders in cyber security by multiple publications. She's also an adjunct professor in, in cybersecurity at Yeshiva University, and is currently pursuing her PhD in organizational leadership. She recently founded Empower Cybersecurity, a nonprofit organization aimed at empowering women of color to be successful in the cybersecurity field. Tia, thank you for joining the show and welcome to the Black Cyber Podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I definitely appreciate this. So uh, I was struggling a little bit trying to read without my reading glasses. So I'm going to go ahead and adjust (laughs) and put those on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tia, so let's get into the uh, Black Cyber origins. Tia, uh, where are you originally from? and who was Tia Hopkins outside of your career?
0: Yeah, so I am originally from Richmond, Virginia, so I'm, I'm a southern girl. I got left there 11 years old. We moved around a lot, so I lived in North Carolina for a bit, South Carolina for a bit, shot down to Florida, and then up to New York. Um, nice. Outside my career, wow, um, I'm a football coach, I'm a retro gaming junkie. I built I built an arcade in my basement to keep me sane at the beginning <laughs> of, uh, of COVID. I like to mod cars. I ride a motorcycle, wife, mom. So I got a gotcha. lot going on.
1: <laughs> so not much going on, right?
0: <laughs> nah, you know, I'm kind of boring.
1: <laughs> uh, Tia, can you explain your role as the VP of Global Solutions Engineering? at eCentire. And is that eCentire? Yeah, sure. it?
0: It's eCentire, yep. Yeah, sure. uh, so I guess I should start by talking about, you know, what, what eCentire does. And so we are uh, a managed detection and response mm-hmm. organization. And that's really an evolution of managed security services where it's not just, hey, let's pull in all your logs and send off an alert. Uh, we have two security operations centers where we have analysts that are actually performing investigations and taking action um, for our customers. So I lead the team that uh, supports the the sales force, essentially. So I have a team of pre-sales engineers, and our responsibility is to go in and discover what the pain points are, any challenges uh, that we may face with integration, and then put together a solution that will provide basically the best coverage uh, for the customers within, you know, whatever their constraints are, whether that's, you know, financial, uh, resource driven, whatever that is.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, what is um, the right mix of skills needed to be a successful um, sales engineer in cybersecurity?
0: Uh well, I would say you need to be a bit of a unicorn. <laughs> I mean, to to really have a presence, you know, when you're working through a sales deal. And I would say specifically in in cybersecurity, uh, you have to be able to establish credibility, right? And that comes in being able to have meaningful discussions, um, clearly uh, articulate that you understand what the customer's issue is. And the reason I say specifically in cybersecurity is because if you think about it, let's just take a a house, for example, if someone came to your house and said, Hey, I work with um, an alarm home monitoring company. And I want to fully secure your house for you. Well, in order for them to know what they need to secure, you have to tell them where all your holes are, where all your vulnerabilities are. So if you apply that to consulting and cybersecurity, organizations are, or or the leaders of organizations are less uh, apt to do that when they, as soon as they meet you, right? So it is relationship building. It's establishing credibility. It's, I understand, I've been there. And, uh, you know, then they start to open up more and more and more. Um, but the, you know, it is a combination of technical skills and soft skills, but it really is the soft skills that elevate your ability to, uh, I guess you could say, put your technical skills on the, on display, because if you don't listen well, if you don't communicate well, if you don't articulate well, then you may not get to the point where you're able to deliver what you think is, is an effective solution, which in essence affects the close of the, the deal, so... Um, It sounds like high level is that I just need some technical skills and soft skills and but it really is, it is more art than science, uh, honestly, when it comes to being a really good sales engineer. Uh, And it's an underrepresented role, I would say in tech, in general, like technical sales, when you go out and you look at these career pathways, technical sales, pre sales engineering is not something you really see. And so I'm really uh, almost selfishly trying to get more people interested uh, in the field because it's uh, it's a great field. It's lucrative. It gives you visibility not only into the technical side, but the business side as well because you have to understand how businesses operate in order to provide the uh, the appropriate solution. So, I mean, I think it's an incredible role uh, to pursue.
1: Gotcha. You. Thank you. And, um, and it's interesting to me, I, I like the way you explain that I've dealt with... Um, some sales engineers. And, and like you say, some of them have the, those people skills. Like you say, you got to build that trust when you come into a company. Now I've dealt with some that, you know, top-notch technically, but people skills, um not so much. So that's, I know, I know that's, that's a very challenge. important part of it. Yeah, definitely. You got to build that, that trust to get to the technical side. Yeah. Um, part of my
0: interviewing process is uh, I'm sorry, not to. Uh, no, no, you
1: before. go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, part of my interviewing process is a presentation, right? Because yeah. you can have all the technical knowledge in the world, but you have to be able to speak in a way that's going to make the prospect or customer listen, right? So um, how how you deliver information and how you formulate that information to deliver it based on what you heard is critically, critically, critically important. Otherwise it's oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the phrase in the, the sales industry is you're just showing up and throwing up. <laughs> it's just, here, here's yeah. all my tools. I'm going to put them all on the yeah. table for you. Tell me what like, hey, you want.
1: Take them to me, please get out of here. <laughs> yeah. um, Tia. So you have an award winning and accomplished career. What is your formula for success?
0: Oh, that's uh, that's a tough question. Cause I don't think I planned th- for this to happen. Right. If you were to say, if you would have asked me, you know, three, four years ago, what do you see for yourself? What do you want to do? I just, I wanted to be a keyboard warrior in the dark in my basement, yeah. saving the world. Right. But uh, you know, my career trajectory had other plans, but I think my core values really, um, you know, in combination with my drive and just relentlessness are really what I think, um, enable my success. And it's, it's funny because when I was saying my core values to myself recently, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cheesy because it's the, uh, the initials of my name. And so it's, uh, transparency, integrity, and authenticity. And, um, I am, I believe in radical transparency. I am honest. Uh, it's not like if I think it, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to express it in a way that that it can be received. I'm not going to keep things to myself. I don't sugarcoat anything. Um, and from the perspective of integrity, that that's all I have. So if my integrity is damaged, then everything else behind that is damaged, right? Because you know, you damage your integrity, your integrity, you damage your 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 credibility. So I just always take every opportunity that I have and make the best of it. I don't look at what's going to come out of it. I just say, I'm just going to do my best at this. And what comes out of it, you know, comes out of it. I um, and then authenticity. I mean, I walk into a room and people just don't know what to make of me. So I just, I'm true to myself, my authentic self. I'm not trying to be who I need to be in any uh, given moment. And you either take that or you leave it. Uh, And and that combination of things has has served me well. And what's most important to me is that I feel good about myself because I haven't said or done anything in my career that I'll have trouble sustaining or that's going to keep me up at night or that might be a deterrent for people wanting to be uh, mentored by me or work with me. And so um, in a nutshell, (laughs) my motto for myself is if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So I just go out, tackle, every, you know, I look at roles, I look at what's uh, trending in the industry, and I just stay on top of all of it. And that way, I don't really have to seek opportunities, opportunities find me.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's very good advice. Um, far as being authentic, I think, I think if um, a lot of ins- aspiring professionals or people already in the field take that advice, um, they can go along where way in their- career. So I thank you for that, to you. Sure. Um, what doors, what doors, if any, has the CISSP opened in your career?
0: Um yeah, that's a good question. It, it's funny <laughs> because you know the CISSP is, is, is what it is, right? It's the, it's the certification that, that, that you want to get. And I remember when I was studying for it, when I decided to take it, I was talking to other people that had taken the exam and um, just you know what to expect, etc. And, and back when I took it, it was the full uh, 250 questions, six hours, you know, $600. And I'm talking to all these people telling me that they didn't pass it on the first try. And uh, I mean, I studied for uh, maybe maybe two months and and went to a boot camp for a week. But the thing was, I had been doing all these things right for all these years. And since my background was in networking, I remember uh, the instructor of the boot camp telling me that I'd probably cut my study time time down by by half just from from having that knowledge. But anyway, everybody was telling me I was crazy for for taking it so soon, and I'm like, am I throwing my money away? What am I doing? Uh, yeah. But I took it, and you know, I passed it uh, on the first try. And and the reason I say it's kind of funny is you know, once I caught my breath and stopped shaking after I, I passed for, for me personally, it was huge. Like I had accomplished something major that I set out to do. And it, it was just, I mean, the biggest confidence booster and, and this like switch went off and I just became addicted to achieving. And so I just continued to do these things. So that's what it did for me personally. For my career, it, it did, it did a lot as well. Cause I do have, um, you know, vendor-specific certifications like um, CCNA had some some SonicWall certifications, uh, other Cisco certs and things of that nature. But once you put the CISSP, you know, on your LinkedIn profile, it's almost like that's a checkbox that recruiters are looking for because I started to get blown up, you know, for these, uh, for these job opportunities. And it was rewarding and frustrating at the same time because I was who I am before I got the CISSP. And, and my knowledge was what it was before I got the CISSP. And I know there's so many qualified and, and capable individuals out there that can be successful in cybersecurity that don't have this piece of paper. I mean, I met some brilliant individuals uh, in the cybersecurity space that don't have it. So my hope is that it's not a checkbox and that you know folks aren't being overlooked because of it, but the way my LinkedIn inbox blew up after I added it It really made me, um, made me think about that, but it did lead to me uh, being hired to Eddie's 10 So for that reason, I'm glad I did it.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, And what I'll say to that is, um, and I give this advice to myself too. I think I'm going to go ahead and kind of start studying for it. Seriously. If you've been in this industry for more than, anywhere from five to 10 years, I think you, you owe it to yourself to get it. Cause like you said, it's a checkbox. You don't Mm -hmm. want it to be something that somebody just who has that at the top of their list, just checks you, you know, just scratches you out because you don't have that certification.
0: Right. So I I don't say you
1: have to get it. I've had a great career without it, but at the same time you want to put yourself in the best position possible. So you don't want to, like you said, you got your current position kind of, not based solely off that, but it was one of those checkboxes. So.
0: Exactly. It definitely will uh, get you to bypass those filters, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and
0: I would also say uh, to someone in the field, like you say, you're going to go ahead and, and pursue it. I talk to, to people a lot that don't have certifications on their resume that they're currently studying for. And my advice is always put it on there you know, and put yeah. in progress. Be get truthful. The yeah, be truthful. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> yeah, progress. You
1: know, yeah, definitely put it on. It.
0: Yeah, but definitely put it on there. Because for those, you know, recruiters or organizations that, you know, have those filters in place where a CISSP is a checkbox, for example, if it's on there, at least you get through. So then they're looking at the whole you right yeah. and maybe you don't necessarily have it, but you have the conversation around, well, yes, I'm pursuing it now. However, here's my skills. And, you know, every conversation is a sales conversation. One, one of my sales uh, leaders said that to me and it has stuck with me. Every conversation you have with somebody, you're positioning yourself or something you care yeah. about. So that makes it a sales conversation. And I think, especially in our, our uh, community, um, as Black people, we don't do a good enough job at putting ourselves... Um, on a pedestal. You know, I sometimes even uh, get to the point where I feel guilty about it and we have to be better about that because we're amazing and, and yeah. people need to know that.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I 100% agree with, um, if you're studying for certification, especially like the CISSP put in progress, because I've seen companies where you can tell they're trying to give you a chance. Some will say you must have your CISSP or obtain it in six months. Right. So if they're saying in six months and you show that you're already studying for it, they can kind of say, okay, he's, they are already locked in. They've already been studying the material. This is just more initiative. If they get the job, they know to kind of keep studying for it and knock it out. But if they (laughs) haven't been studying for it, who's to say that they got that drive after six months on the job to go ahead and knock it out. So Right. Um,
0: and that's a, that's a risk. It's, it's, it's expensive to hire people. So, you know, skills are not, it's still a risk-based decision, you know, oh, what's yeah. your learning curve, you know, what are we going to have to pour into you to get you being productive? Like all those things are considered.
1: Oh yeah. Um, What have you enjoyed about being the adjunct professor at Yeshiva University? Is it Yeshiva?
0: Yeah, it's Yeshiva. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. gotcha.
0: I What I enjoy about it is, um, well, I guess I'll take a step back. The reason that I started teaching when I had the opportunity was because I was a little, I want to make sure I say this the right way. I was disappointed in my own outcomes from the two master's degrees that I have. I I won't say I was disappointed in what the the universities provided because it's, it's good content. But what I learned is that you really have to not only dig into the program itself, right? So, what does the program cover from a broad perspective? You have to dig into whether it's a practical degree, is it an is it an applied degree, is it more theoretical? So, when you're digging into uh, the uh, the overall program and the 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 syllabus, I guess you could say, for the whole program, you also have to dig into the curriculum of the courses uh, themselves. And so I was disappointed because I got a master's degree in information security, and then I got a master's degree in cybersecurity thinking that they would be different, and they really weren't, and they were both a lot of theory and writing papers, and I wanted more um, hands-on. So I started teaching because I wanted to, to take more of a practical approach, right? So there is the, the, the theoretical knowledge that students need to, to have. But when I teach my students, it's not a reiteration of what they got from the text. It's like, okay, you learned all these things. They're table stakes. Now, let me take you to thinking about what's going on in the real world, right? Oh, yeah. Right? So from a theoretical perspective, if they're learning about um, incident management and the book touches is, touches on SIM technology, well, you know what a SIM is, but that's not gonna help you when you go get a job. So let's talk about how you can go get a free trial of Splunk or how you can go yeah. get certified for free on Sumo Logic to take yeah. that a step further. And now you're having meaningful conversations instead of regurgitating what you read in a book. So that's why I wanted to start teaching. Um, and I think what makes me happy about it is that, that it's working, the students find it valuable. And, and the, the way I um, am able to assess that is by the questions they ask. And the questions are more relevant to actually applying the knowledge than memorizing what's in the book so they can pass a certification exam. And I tell them all the time, I'd rather you get a C in my class and be able to articulate what you learn than to get A's on everything and not be useful yeah. to anyone
1: exactly yeah. um and you kind of touched on it a little bit but have you had one of those Oprah moments teaching at the university where the light bulb turns on and you're like this is why I wanted to do this do you have like and if so do you have an example of that
0: yeah I had a a couple of, of students uh take the CISSP exam after my fall 2019 uh, semester and so you know, they passed and they posted on LinkedIn and, and they both tagged me, um, you know, saying that things that they learned in my class helped them pass the exam. Um, and it was really special for me because I wasn't teaching a CISSP prep course, yep. right? I teach critical thinking. And that is really what helps you not only pass these exams, but it also helps you uh, make meaningful contributions to, to organizations so seeing them one achieve success is is great but to to get kudos for having a hand in it and saying your approach really helped me with this was a was a big it was a bit kind of a big deal for me
1: nice nice yeah um and just to add to that I want to go back to your other answer that was that was kind of one of those aha moments too was like when you said you taught them how to not just ask questions about theory, but once you started to teach that practical side, they ask questions around how did this work? And like you said, a, a C student is stronger than an A student that knows how to do the job when they get out of the university. So
0: absolutely, that's 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 what I care about.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. good points. Um, you recently just started an organization called Empower. Can you explain what this organization is all about?
0: Sure, I mean, high level, it really is a safe space for women of color, either already in the cybersecurity field or interested in the cybersecurity field to just come and just be and collaborate and learn and and fail too. Uh, You know, we we all fear failure. Uh, And I think the way cybersecurity is presented as a a job opportunity or a career path it is um it's it's daunting right i I talk to a lot of people that think they have to be a coder or think they have to have been in some sort of technology field uh, prior to that and so i my goal is to uh, lower the barrier of entry or the perceived barrier barrier of of entry but really focus on uh, women of color But not just from the perspective of cybersecurity skills, also the the entire individual, because there's a lack of confidence as well that plays into the ability to land gainful employment. And so while there are many uh, people of color in general that are competent enough to land a job, they lack the confidence to articulate their ability to do so. And so we are focused on making sure, you know, women of color receive what they need in the way of um, boosting their technical knowledge. But we're also focused on driving the internal confidence uh, as well. So focusing on things like imposter syndrome, building your personal brand, networking in meaningful ways. Um, So we'll have mentorship opportunities and everything as well. And, And the reason I decided to do it this way is... I I just went from kind of, you know, plugging along, making my mistakes, having things blow up on me, you know, <laughs> restarting, figuring it out. And then, you know, one day I was like, wow, um, now I'm, you know, I'm getting awards and people want to talk to me. And, you know, I was, I've kind of been a bit of a, a hermit, but I got to the point where I felt like it would be irresponsible for me to not tell my story and help others maybe not struggle as much as I did because I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have a mentor. It was just all hard knocks and figuring it out the hard way. So I started out saying, I'll just mentor a couple people here and there. <laughs> and, um, then I was like, that's not going to have enough of an impact. I need to do this on a broader scale. And then that just kind of grew and grew. And, and then, uh, empower cybersecurity was born.
1: Oh, wow. Well, thank you for, uh not being selfish and, and giving back to the community because I've seen your impact. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about your new initiative. Um, also, um, what is your advice to African-American women or any women that are thinking of starting a career in cybersecurity?
0: Uh, my first advice is do it. You You have to start, but I think, Starting means different things to different people and, and whoever you are to start with an evaluation of self. Why do I want to be in this field? You know, do I feel passionate about it or am I doing it because someone else said I should? I will say you cannot have a successful cybersecurity career if you're not passionate about it because it's <laughs> not a one and done thing. You're always learning. There's always um, uh, challenges and, um, you know, reach out to, to other women of color that are doing it you know, part of the reason for empower cybersecurity is that there aren't enough um, women of color, basically people that look like us doing it. And so if I'm someone that's looking to get in and I'm looking at what my options are and I'm looking at this cybersecurity thing and people are telling me I could be successful, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of people that look like (laughs) me doing that. I'm probably going to go somewhere where I feel a bit more uh, represented. So you know, to that end, women that are already successful in the field, we need to be more visible, right? We need to be representatives to show other women that it's possible, uh, but also women of color looking to, or African-American women looking to get into the, the cybersecurity space need to realize that if they walk away, there will never be the change that, that there needs to be in terms of representation and, and diversification of the, the, the pipeline. So, you know, start, figure out self, figure out a path, um, hit up, you know, empower cybersecurity yeah. or find someone yeah. else that's doing it, get a mentor. We are out here and and we are hell bent on, on making a change and it's going to take all of us.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, let's, uh, let's switch modes and, uh, talk about you being an assistant coach with the American football events, AFE. Talk a little about this and then why you enjoy doing it or why you enjoy it so much.
0: So I played uh, women's tackle football for about 12 years. Yeah, I started oh. back in 03. I played D-line, O-line, fullback, and then I finally finished up at, uh, at middle linebacker, which was probably my nice. favorite. Uh, <laughs> and I think that is where my confidence started to, to build because I wasn't uh, always a, a confident individual. Like I was saying earlier, I moved around a lot, so I was always the new kid, never really fit in and things like that. But football really helped. It was the sense of, of community that that I never had. And I mean, of course, being able to suit up and lay somebody out without penalty <laughs> was yeah. pretty awesome, right? That's, that's empowering in and of itself. But when it was, you know, my body was like, hey, this is over. You can't do this anymore. It's time to hang it up. It was tough for me to walk away from. it, so I started coaching the team that I played for in New York and then just, you know, networking and, um, talking to to people. I was brought into AFE, which is an international team. And actually AFE is really uh, an organization focused on community service that just also happens to, to, uh, to play football games. And so, um, I've been to, um, to Cancun with this team. We had a tournament in, um, in uh, Virginia beach, um, And so we travel internationally and we play tournaments. We went to Honduras as well. We actually got stuck in Honduras at the beginning of the pandemic, but, you know, we travel with the intent to play tournaments or to play football games, but everywhere we go, we do community service events as well. So whether that's, you know, visiting a shelter or visiting locations for uh, children in need or um, anything like that. So it's always a combination of football and community service, which is what I love about this organization uh, specifically, and, and just given everything that I have going on, if it it's a little better um, for me in terms of timing, because the local team, their schedule is, you know, it's three times a week from January, all the way through August, whereas the international uh, games are um, a collection of women that play for these local teams coming together a few times a year. And it's uh, about a week worth of time in any time as a tournament.
1: Okay. Okay um and that's it makes me think of something i'm gonna ask you another question on that are you familiar with the new league new women's league that's kind of official now that just came about uh um, so
0: there's the i know the wnfc league. is a couple of years and there's one uh out of vegas is that the one you're
1: talking about yeah vegas i think that's the new one right how do how do you feel about that one? any thoughts on um, that
0: no, I don't really have any thoughts on it. I don't really know enough about uh their specific approach on oh, the yeah. surface uh It looks like you know they're focused on trying to get women compensated fairly uh, yeah. because in the uh, there's a there's a number of women's leagues, but what you'll find in most of them is that women pay to play there's though there's they're not compensated um uh, and even if it were free, that'd be better you know yeah. than than where a lot of the teams are today. So this league seems to be focused on actually making it meaningful from a financial perspective, but that's really all I I know of it, but I'm all for any opportunities that are looking to empower women to do more in football, but, but not, um, not exploit them.
1: That's important as well. Definitely. Uh, and I definitely commend you on the, um, AFV, by doing the, like you said, the community service wherever you go to play, you find a way to give back uh, yeah. to the community. Um, so, do you have any new events going on that you want the viewers to know about? That you kind of, um, or any last advice that you kind of want to put out there?
0: I think the biggest thing I have going on right now is uh, is Empowered cybersecurity. So we had our inaugural meeting uh, on Monday. Uh, went went really well and we are I would say upwards of uh, a little over 60 members um, at the moment. So right now we're getting everyone um, in the same place and uh, getting organized and we're really about to start uh, kicking things off. We have um, a couple of um, I would call them uh, training academies that we're going to kick off in January. So one is focused on professional development one is um, technical training. So we partnered with Cyberry, And so nice. the individual would get free access to the pro version of Cyberry, get aligned with the career track, uh, be paired with a mentor. Um, also the professional development track, those individuals would be paired with a mentor as well. And then we have a pure mentorship track uh, for the members. But you do have to be a member of Empower Cybersecurity to, uh, to qualify and uh, applications are gonna open up actually tomorrow.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Okay. November 1st. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Tia, uh, the black cyber stage is yours. If people want to know more about Tia Hopkins, where can they go online?
0: I think my LinkedIn is probably like an active version of of what I have going on, but I also have a personal website. It's just TiaHopkins.com. So, you know, if I have a speaking engagement or write an article or think something's cool, I, I usually publish it there.
1: Gotcha. Uh, do you have um, Empower, the uh, organization? Are you talking about that on the website or where can they reach, uh, get information about that organization?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it, it is linked from my website, but our okay. uh, the Empower Cybersecurity website is empowercyber.org. Uh, but we're also on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. and
1: Nice, nice. Uh, Tia, thank you for stopping by the Black Cyber podcast today. I I definitely appreciate it. You dropped a lot of knowledge. Um, Good to hear about your organization and the things you're doing with that.
0: I appreciate
1: you having me. This is fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type Black Cyber to check out our podcast and other content. All right. Thank you again to you. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to the Black Cyber Podcast, hosted by George McPherson, securing our place in the industry. Be sure to subscribe to Black Cyber on YouTube and also subscribe to our podcast on all the major podcast networks like Anchor, Spotify, Apple and many more.